This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. Special thanks to the newest sponsor of the Master Brewers podcast, Novazymes. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Dare to brew different with new and exciting hop varieties from Hopsteiner's industry-leading breeding program. Varieties like Sultana, Lotus, Bravo, Altus, and Contessa are now available in lupulin pellet form, packing more flavor and aroma per pellet. Discover more at hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. And thanks also to Brew Ninja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day-to-day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to getbrewninja.com and using the code BREWNINJA21. It was, uh, it was February 16th, 2015, uh, at around 8.45 in the morning. I started to get tunnel vision, and I thought I was going to pass out, and I had to like remind myself to breathe. And then I thought I was going to throw up, and then I started to get tunnel vision again. You know, that's where uh, the other guy that was working with me found me. There was a lot more pressure than I expected, and uh, a little bit of a burst that came through. I mean, it, yeah, it could happen to anyone at any time. Uh, it definitely changed my outlook. It's just something I'll never forget. Ed, this is the seventh surgery I've had. This week on the show two real-life horror stories, and three guys who hope you'll make a New Year's resolution to take brewery safety seriously. Uh, Hello, my name is Eric Moore. I'm the brewing manager at Flying Dog Brewing. Hi, my name is Brian Favor. I'm the head brewer for New Realm Brewing in Virginia Beach. So the three of us ended up in a conversation together during the district mid-Atlantic meeting in November, which was awesome. That was my first in-person district meeting in way too long. And I should say, welcome to our district, Brian. Uh, we're, we're not quite as big as your former home district, but I hope you like district mid-Atlantic style thus far. Yeah, no, it's been great. That was that was fun to be in another district other than the the Northwest and see a meeting, and it was uh, it was really vibrant, great meeting. So I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. Okay, so we're all at the Friday night social at Smart Mouth, and I spot Eric, who's wearing essentially half a pair of sunglasses, one dark <laughs> lens, one clear lens, and after a long day and a couple of beers, that really just did not compute for me. I'm thinking okay, this is some weirdo who's trying to train one eye to see in the dark or something. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but there's definitely a story of some kind here. So I just asked him, hey, what's with the half sunglasses? And Eric kindly excused my rudeness and told me exactly what was with the half sunglasses. Not at all what I expected. Then Brian, you joined our conversation and it turned out that you had a thankfully less severe but similar story. And 
at the end of all that, the three of us arrived at the conclusion that, hey, this is happening way too frequently in small breweries. The one episode we already did on this topic four years ago, that's episode 67 with Keith Miller and Scott Milbauer, isn't enough. And the industry needs greater awareness and training. And we should talk about that on the podcast. So here we are, right? That's right. All right. Eric's going to tell us what's with the half sunglasses. Then we're going to hear Brian's story. Then let's talk about how badly neither of you want other brewers to have to go through the same experience and what we can do to prevent this type of accident. Eric, take us back to the beginning. What year was it? Where were you? What were you doing? What went wrong? Uh, it was uh, was it February 16th, 2015 uh, at around 8.45 in the morning. And it's weird that I can remember that, but obviously it was a, a pretty traumatic uh, uh, day for me. So uh, I kind of remember right around the time it happened. So I was uh, starting out a day uh, up in um, the, the Portland pub uh, for Deschutes. I was working for Deschutes at the time and I was uh, dosing out... Um, uh, some caustic, uh, to clean a fermenter out. And, uh, at the time there, they had a, a day tank leading to a, a diaphragm pump and a ball valve, and that's how you'd get it out. So, uh, I started filling up a reservoir of caustic to clean the tank. Uh, and then the pump stalled out halfway through it. And I realized, you know, it was a cold morning. It was in February, probably a chunk of caustic got caught in the valve. So, uh, I was wearing a face mask. Um, and I reached down to sort of jog the, the valve like a face shield kind of thing. Or yeah, 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 yeah. It was face shield, like the, over the whole, head but no goggles just face shield okay uh, and as soon as i touched the uh, the valve um it sounded like a, a pop or a real loud shotgun or something like that and so it happened pretty quick and i jerked my head to the side and my face shield kind of flew open a little bit and the next thing i know my you know my eye was on fire and it's like i was like oh crap like i must have gotten some caustic in there and so i mean it all seemed like it took like five minutes to, to get over to the eyewash station. But in my mind, I was like, I started to get tunnel vision and I thought I was going to pass out and I had to like remind myself to breathe. And then I thought I was going to throw up and then I started to get a tunnel vision again. But then I was finally like, look, get, get to the eyewash station. So, you know, that's where the other guy that was working with me found me. Uh, I washed my eye out for about 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and then we got off to the, um, um, the, uh, ER and, uh, they, they dripped some, uh, some, uh, saline in it for a while. And then I got transferred over to, uh, an eye unit and spent pretty much the rest of the day there. Uh, they were putting various, um, pressure reducing drops in my eye to keep, to keep the pressure down. Cause they were worried that it might, um, just automatically fail. Um, and, and the pressure was too high get glaucoma or whatever. Um, and so I spent most of the day there and then kind of went home and then, um, you know, that was sort of the, the start of this big journey, um, on what happened there. Wow. It certainly didn't end after that one day. Um, talk a little bit more about what that recovery process was like. Sure. I mean, I, I actually, uh, it's, it's kind of an ongoing process. Like right now, uh, just this year, um, earlier on, I had, um, another, uh, surgery on my eyelid, um, where they actually, uh, took a piece of, uh, artificial collagen. Uh, I think they got it from a pig or something and they placed it in my eyelid so they could, uh, so what happened, I guess, was when, when the caustic went in my eye, it obviously scarred the eye up and burnt the eye up, but it also burnt the inside of the, um, uh, eyelid, uh, which I didn't think about. So uh, most of the surgeries I've had have actually been actually on my eyelid. 
Um, I've had grafts from the inside of my lip put in the inside of my eyelid because uh, all the um, mucous membranes, anything that makes tears was burnt away. Um, like I said, this one, since that uh, scar tissue binds up and shrinks as it heals, uh, my eyelashes are, have been pulled into my eye a few times. So I've had to have multiple surgeries. And this one, they put a piece of collagen in there and then made a cut and uh, attached my eyelashes to that piece of collagen that they placed in my eyelid to keep my eyelashes out of my eye. Um, I've also had multiple surgeries where they literally had to go in with microscopes and, and move blood vessels from one part of my eye that was good to another part of my eye that was uh, in essence dead uh, to make that eye still viable. Um, wow. How many surgeries have you had? I've had, this is the seventh surgery I've had. Um, and before that it had been three years since I had my last surgery. So I had six, I had six surgeries. I want to say in two years, uh, since this happened. And then, um, just this last one, uh, a few years after that. Okay. And, and what's, what's life like now? What's, uh, do you have any use of the eye at all? No, I mean, I can, um, it's kind of funny the way they test my vision in the bad eye is they take the brightest light they have at the doctor's office and try to shine out my eye. And I have to tell them whether or not I see light or not. Um, as the years went by, it's gotten less and less and they're not really sure whether or not it's, uh, due to the scar tissue getting thicker on my eye, uh, or, or that it, it's just the body after a while realizes that, you know, it might just be dead weight and it stops sending energy to it. So it might just be shutting down the eye. So they don't really know right now, uh, for that. Um, cause what happened was when, when that, uh, caustic got in there as well, um, it burnt away. So the border around your eye that keeps the white from the clear, uh, it's called the limbus and you learn all this when this stuff happens. Uh, but that was burned away. And then, so once that got burned away, the white actually healed over my cornea, um, which makes it a lot harder to see obviously as well. And as that scar tissue gets thicker and thicker, uh, and it gets harder and harder for me to see as well out of that one. Um, and then, you know, um, deaf perception is another problem. Uh, obviously like, you know, trying to pour, pour something into a glass or just like, sometimes I can't tell you how many times I've reached through like the, uh, card machines at stores trying to press a button, uh, and just <laughs> slam my fist into it. Um, so, so, you know, all that stuff and people are like, Oh, you know, don't you get that back? And I'm like, not, nah, not yeah. really. Yeah. You, know, you just get really good at guessing where a far, as far, like uh, how far away things are. You get really good at guessing that. So. Wow. That's crazy. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through all that, man. Brian, were you, were you working at the shoots at the same time as, yeah. as this accident happened or no? Yeah. Yeah. And no, all it's, you know, there, there are a few days I think you you never forget. And that was definitely one of them. We were actually in, I was in Mexico on vacation and uh, Ben Keys, who was also working with us, uh, he called me and let me know that Eric you know, had an injury. He was, he was the brewer working with Eric uh, at the time and I had an injury prior. So I said, oh, and, and I happened to be working with Ben at that same time as well. And I remember Ben saying, you know, no, this, this is way worse. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, it's and obviously a lot of times, you know, I'm friends with Eric and we were co-workers as well. And so um, it's, it's one of those days I think you, you never forget. What um, you said that you had an injury as well uh, that that was before this. What what happened in your case? Was it the same pump that failed or something different? No, it was different. It was at a different uh, location, our, our main production facility. And it was it was a Thursday or Friday and and. Um, the same guy Ben and I were working that that was working with Eric. We were CIP in the brew house and we were in on day shift, you know, around six o'clock. And I was actually, we, we have, um, 
a sink kind of for gravities and and we've got the the cooling stations to drop a hydrometer in uh back when you still used hydrometers and that was that was uh that was plugged up and so i got a little bit of caustic and um um you know put some there was uh, a little bit of caustic placed into the, the port um, with some water to soak. Um, and I came back a little bit later and I had, I had, eye I had just had safety glasses on at this time. Um, and I went to open the, the, the faucet to, to kind of push out the water. And there was a lot more pressure than I expected and uh, a little bit of a burst that came through. So I had all of a sudden a splash kind of get, and it kind of splashed up into my face and got underneath uh, my safety glasses. And, you know, I had that brief moment where I thought, oh, okay, you know, I, I got to find uh, the eye station. But then all of a sudden, I mean, it just got pretty intense. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really intense burn. And so um, at this point, where that station was, I had two options. I knew there was behind me, maybe, I don't know, maybe about 50 yards in the cellar, there was an eye wash station. Um, but there, I also knew there was a lot of soft line at this time. We had a lot of soft line kind of spread throughout the cellar. And the other option was below me downstairs in the basement. But to get there, I had to go down a spiral staircase. And, um, you know, so that's one of the things I always think about is really knowing where those eye wash stations are. In this case, I, I did. But um, I think that's the other part is the placement. I, I really didn't have a great option. Um, I chose to go down the stairs because for whatever reason, I felt more comfortable doing that. Um, when I look back on it, you know, I'm surprised I made it down there that quickly. But, you know, I get downstairs in the basement. I, I'm flushing my eye kind of like Eric was for about 15 minutes. And uh, again, like something I'll never forget. My wedding was approaching. I think I, I was about a month away from our wedding. And Ben was working on the hotback. And at this point, I didn't think he, he thought it was too serious. And but so I pulled my eye out of the eye wash station after about 15 minutes and I covered my good eye. And I, I was just looking through the other one and everything was kind of this white, milky kind of frost. Um, so at that point, you know, it, it, it definitely I definitely was like, wow, this is really serious. Um, and so from from that point, I kept my, you know, I called over to Ben. I said, hey, this I think this is pretty bad. I kept my eye underneath there. Someone eventually took me to the urgent care, came and got me within the next 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and we drove to the urgent care center. And that's another thing, I guess, I think about like lessons learned in hindsight, or if, if I saw this happen again, I would have insisted that myself or somebody I'm working with, they, they keep their eye under that Iowa station and we call an ambulance. Um, just because the time it took me to get to the emergency room, um, I show up at the emergency room, come to the front and say, um, I got, you know, caustic in my eye. I think I had the, the uh, MSDS uh, with me. And um, she said, okay, well, have a seat. And my eye was just on fire. You know, I still had that thing where I couldn't see through it. So I was, you know, I had a lot of anxiety and I sit down and they probably called me in in about 15 minutes. Um, wow. And so the nurse sits me down, lays me down, and then they go to do a saline flush, kind of like Eric talked about, um, you know, and she said, what eye is it? And I said, it's the one that is, is, is solid red and just all brute, you know, it, it looked awful. You could tell there was trauma there. Um, so she gets, uh, it's almost like a suction cup kind of, they put over your eyeball that has a saline solution that flushes your eyeball. Um, so they get that going. 
and I'm laying there. And at one point the, the, eye, the doctor comes in that's working and uh, he says, oh, you know, there's a kink in the, in the saline bag and the drip. And so he gets that taken care of, um, which, you know, again, one of those things I'm really grateful for. Um, and then they were just testing, you know, almost like you do with a pH strip. They're measuring the pH and, and trying to get your eye to bring that pH down uh, to a safe level. Um, they finally get that down. Uh, I think I had a, a series of uh, eye drops, a few different drops. One was a steroid. I can't remember what the other one was. And, you know, I came back over the course of a week or so and, um, you know, luckily didn't have uh, any, any long lasting damage. So, you know, feel obviously extremely fortunate, but uh, it definitely changed my outlook and, and how I approach just kind of day to day working with chemicals. It's just something I'll never forget. Coming up, this is really the, the, the least effective option we have to protect ourselves. And so hopefully that helps with some dialogue and, and getting discussion around how we can look to improve things and make things safer for all of us in the workplace. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com MBAA. HS Sativa, brought to you by BSG Hop Solutions. Meet the latest in the BSG Hop Solutions portfolio, HS Sativa. Strong expressions of stone fruit, floral, and resinous pine flavors and aromas define this blend. Crafted specifically for use in hazy IPAs and other hop-forward beers. HS Sativa is ideal for aroma, whirlpool, and dry hop additions to hazy and juicy IPAs. Or for any other hoppy styles where a combination of citrus, tropical fruit, and pine aromatics are desired. Go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more, or call 1-800-374-2739. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Georgia has a social gathering at Elsewhere Brewing in Atlanta, January 13th. Check out the recreating hop aroma outside of the plant and its practical application in Modern Craft Brewing webinar, January 19th. And the annual District Ontario Technical Conference will be January 26th through the 28th, just outside of Toronto. The Master Brewers Brewery Packaging Technology course starts February 11th. District Carolinas holds a winter social February 12th at Cabarrus Brewing in Concord, North Carolina. 
District St. Paul, Minneapolis meets at Surly's Shide Hall February 24th. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. You mentioned that you were wearing safety glasses at the time. Was it not the right type? Was it like the ones that are designed for impact, or was um, you know what do you think went wrong there? You know, I had them. Um, I had them. Um, in all reality, I think um, they were probably not sitting all the way back, flush against um, you know, kind of like the brim of my nose. And so, I think there was probably a little bit of a gap underneath my eye, and that's where you know the splash came up and hit me underneath my face. And so. Um, that's always one of the things I, I think about. Uh, but a big change I made from that point moving forward is whenever I knew there was concentrated um, caustic uh, or, or any sort of chemical, at that point I would start wearing goggles, which, yeah. you, you know, have, have the challenges with fogging up and everything. But um, that was a behavior change I made with just trying to make sure that during that mixing phase and where I knew there was concentrated chemicals, I would always have goggles on and, and just try to be mindful of my time so they wouldn't fog up too much. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I've been channeling you guys, uh, a lot lately. I, I was, um, just yesterday actually just running a normal brew house CIP and, um, you know, so it wasn't like concentrated, uh, caustic, but it was, you know, hot and, um, still, you know, two, 3%. And, uh, and I, I just, you know, heard, uh, heard a sound that was not usual, you know, and you know how it is sometimes in a brew, you just kind of hear things that aren't quite right. And I was just like, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to tighten my safety goggles just in case, you know? <laughs> and, um, so, um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, it, it's really important. We've talked about it before, but I think it's really, really important that people understand the, the, the different types of safety glasses and, you know, make sure you have the right PPE for the job. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of safety glasses that are only designed to to protect you from some sort of impact and aren't going to offer you any protection at all if there's a chemical splash. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, I'm sure Eric might have some opinions about you know uh, advice about wearing safety uh, glasses uh, underneath the face shields, which is um, I believe you know sort of the the protocol you're supposed to do if you're if you're working with um, with uh, concentrated chemicals. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Why don't you guys spend a little bit of time sort of talking about making sure you have the right equipment for the job and also sort of, you know, how you approach that now in your jobs today and what's, um, you know, what, what you make sure people are doing to, to, to stay protected. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a big proponent, um, anywhere I've been, uh, in that making sure that, uh, it's, it's both goggles and face shield. Um, not only because, yeah, you know, obviously you don't want stuff in your eyes. If you're just wearing a pair of goggles that are splash proof and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's helpful. You're not getting anything in your eyes, but then you could also get that stuff on your skin and it's, you know, I mean, it's no joke. It can give you bad, bad burns on your skin too, especially, I mean, depending on if you're using some higher strength acids or, 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 you know, even like raw cost, it can get in there. So for me, it's all about face shield and goggles when you're dealing with any raw chemical um and, and any like i said even dilute um I, I try to uh err on the side of wearing goggles if i'm doing it myself um just to be safe and then i also have a uh, special um uh, prescription uh safety glasses that have like a foam shield around it to kind of uh, keep splashes out of the eyes as well that i wear yeah and i'm in agreement that 
the best solution is is goggles with with the face shield. Uh, I think that's that's the way to go. I've gotten into a habit if I'm if I am working on the floor, um, I just I, I keep my goggles just hanging from my neck, and I'll have safety glasses um, if I'm not wearing them at the time. I usually always have uh, you know big proponent of whenever you're on the production floor, safety glasses are on, and then if I step out of the the production floor or if I'm in the office, I'll just take my glasses and and if I need to, I'll just pull them up and put them on the top of my head, but I'll always have those goggles hanging um, just in case I get into a spot where, you know, I, I've, I've got that protection um, if needed and they're easily accessible. But yeah, 100% agreed that um, the goggles with the, the face shield are uh, should be the norm and the standard. And I, I mentioned this on the episode with um, Keith Miller, and I'll, I'll put a link in this one as well. But, um, you know, the these things have gotten a lot nicer over the years. And, um, you know, you can get some, um, I, the ones I use are like, a. I mean, they, they look a lot like, you know, ski goggles. They're, they're not, you know, it's a, it's a single pane, um, clear and, uh, is, um, you know, very, uh, easy to fit. And they're, they're incredibly comfortable. I mean, you, you, you know, once you wear them a little bit, you kind of forget that you have them on. And, uh, uh, to me, that's, that's exactly what you want. So, um, and I, those are ones I just found. It's like, it's like 3M, um, you know, you can get them on Amazon or, or wherever. And, um, it's, uh, they're, they're super affordable and, and easy and, um, and don't look quite as ridiculous as some of the old school, like, you know, <laughs> chemistry lab from when we were growing up kind of goggles. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that the PP is, is definitely come a long way over the years. And and the other thing I, you know, John and, and Eric, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your take, but it also seems that um, our industry and spe- specifically the craft industry is more open to having talks um, around safety now. Not that we necessarily weren't, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, 20 years ago, but I think um, as our, our, especially the craft industry has grown and progressed, things, you know, like safety now are, um, I've just, I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, but I, from have starting a new job now from where I was for years at Deschutes, I've been really impressed when we have our, our meetings and we talk safety that people are engaged and there's good dialogue around that. And I would say maybe, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I, I, I didn't necessarily see that. Yeah, I can I can see that too. Uh, I know the same thing. I uh, I think still people um, they're they're more open to it, and there are I do like those new style goggles. You get a better field of vision than those old lab ones. You could only like tunnel vision on them. Um, but I think still like people kind of fall uh, into a, a, a trap where they're a little too comfortable because they're using these chemicals every day, and you know they know they use them, so it doesn't really. I think they kind of lose sight with exactly how dangerous all the stuff we do uh, or use uh, is, um, and so they kind of uh, you know the moment they let their guard down that's when you know disaster strikes i think so uh for for me i just like to kind of keep reinforcing it with everyone uh, and making sure that you know people are people are paying attention and people don't get too comfortable and like you know reiterate how how dangerous these these chemicals are i mean there's a reason we use them and there is a reason we use them at such high strength because you know it's basically there to 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 strip away all the 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 you know dirt and grime and you know with with no very little if any sort of like scrubbing and so you know obviously if that stuff gets on you that's that's you know it's going to do the same to your skin or your eyes or wherever it gets you know yeah and you know one of the things recently we talked about here at new realm is and i I believe it's i think it's the heinrich heinrich's pyramid or triangle that the the safety pyramid right and that the essence of it is at the bottom of that pyramid you have 
so many thousands of unsafe behaviors or acts, right? And then from that, you have a smaller near, number of near misses, then medical events, lost time, and then, you know, serious injury or fatality. And so that's, that's one thing that I think it's always good to talk about, right? So if you think about all those times where you're not, you know, you're not wearing glasses enough, are you breaking down all those thousands of uh, instances of that, um, how much that really totals and adds up to when you're not wearing your goggles or your, your face shield. So those really kind of build up. And then the other thing too, is just, you know, look at your, your, what you can control, right? When we talk about improving safety, you know, so always think about there's elimination, you know, substitution, you could engineer, try to isolate people from the hazard. Um, you know, then we, these all start to funnel down when you look at how effective they are. And then, you know, we could change people's behaviors. And at the end of it, the least effective um, thing that exists is PPE. So that's always, I, I think, another good visual to show people and talk about that, um, that this is really the, the, the least effective option we have to protect ourselves. And so hopefully that helps with some dialogue and, and getting discussion around how we can look to improve things and make things safer for all of us in the workplace. Yeah, the best way to get out of uh, any accident like this is just making sure you're not putting yourself in that situation to begin with. You know, I mean, it's just like I said, PPE is sort of the last resort. If everything else fails, you have that to sort of save you. But the best best method is just to make sure you're not putting yourself in a situation where, you know, something's going to splash up in your face at all. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, one of the other things we talked about in Virginia Beach was just, um, you know, this, this ha th we all know, all three of us know lots of brewers that have had some very close calls. This isn't an isolated thing that just, okay, it happened to Keith Miller and it happened to you guys. Um, you know, it's, you know, I've had, you know, way too many near misses. Um, and, and I'm sure we've all worked with other people's that, people that have had close calls. Um, you know, this is not an uncommon thing. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I just wanted to make that point because I think that um, everybody thinks it can't happen to them. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with that too. I think, you know, and I don't have the statistics, so I can't say for sure. But in my mind, my thought is that beyond like, you know, strains and pulls and, and, and stuff like that, like uh, I think eye injuries is probably one of the more prevalent uh, injuries injuries in the uh, the brewing industry. Uh, and it's because, you know, we, we either we're a little bit cavalier about PPE or we, you know, like I said, do it so many times you're comfortable and then uh, something happens and it gets up in your eye um, or you just, you know, you're not even thinking about it. So I think, I think it's just something that people don't think about like you said if they always think oh it's not going to happen to me and then i mean it, yeah it could happen to anyone at any time and so hopefully you know um i always think that like if i can tell my story enough and if i can like show people grody pictures of my eye then if i can scare one person not to do it and not to like let their guard down that's worth it because i think uh, it's a lot more common around than people actually uh, are aware of i uh uh, I would not want this to happen to really anyone. It's just, it's not worth it. You know, I mean, I'm, I've got lucky. It was just one eye and I still am able to live a, a pretty normal life. Um, but I mean, it, had it got both eyes, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's a totally different situation. So. That was Eric Moore and Brian Favor here on the Master Brewers podcast. Check the show notes for links to free brewery safety resources that you can use to improve safety in your own brewery, as well as my personal favorite brewery goggles. Make 2022 the year you find a pair of goggles that you can wear all day. Think about Eric's lost eye every time you're near chemicals and put those goggles on your face, even when you think you don't need to. Set it to 
courage. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Brew Ninja, Proximity Mall, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Thank you.